Hello, hello, hello. Welcome again to another episode of Lati Talks. This is your host, Thomas Belcher, missionary to the U.S. Territory of Guam. And as always, it is a blessing to get to be with you guys here today and to see what the Lord has for us as we continue to look at His Word and continue our Bible study in the book of Romans, this time in Romans chapter 6. Uh, Romans chapter 6, this um, podcast is going to be a little shorter than normal. Just for the simple fact that Romans 6, the way we have it split up, we only have it split up into two points today, two categories. And the uh, Romans 6 is a very interesting uh, chapter. I, I find the entire book of Romans interesting. I truly do. Romans very much deals with uh, understanding salvation, understanding our place in salvation, uh as sinners, because yes, we are safe from sin, but we are still sinners. We still sin. We still do th- uh, things that displease the Lord. But because we're saved, that sin won't send us to hell. Um, if anything, it would just send you to heaven with a pretty red face. You'd be pretty embarrassed. Uh, but Romans, the book of Romans, really deals with issues that have never gone away since the book's writing, since Paul wrote the book. And I find it very, um, it's definitely not funny, I guess ironic would be the word, that he's writing to the book of Rome, he's writing to the Romans throughout this entire book, and what he's writing are issues that the Christians in Rome dealt with, and that they had to deal with, but they're issues that the Romans still dealt with, and ended up forming the foundation, the basis, for what is now called the Catholic Church. And I'll be 100% honest, if the Catholic Church ever studied the book of Romans and actually read the book of Romans, um, the Catholic Church would fall apart overnight. Uh, Because the book of Romans goes completely against what the Catholic Church teaches. And uh, let's remember, it's the Roman Catholic Church. It's the Roman Catholic Church. So had they listened to what Paul who said in the book of Romans, much would be different. So here in Romans chapter 6, we'll go ahead and get started. Romans chapter 6, we have, we can split it up into two areas. And area number one, it starts with verses 1 through 14. We'll go ahead and read that. If you're able to follow along with me in your Bible, uh, starting in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was praised, was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not, uh, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but... In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, 
but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God, yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. So we can look at the book of uh, the chapter six in the book of Romans, and we can split it up into two areas, starting with verses one through fourteen. We can classify that as simply slaves no more, slaves no more, and what Paul is trying to get across here is the fact that when we are saved, when we have received the gift of the gift of life from Christ, when we've received that gift, we are brought out from the slavery, the bondage that is sin. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Before I was saved, I was a slave to sin. Sin was my master. Uh, I was bound for a devil's hell. One day I was going to open up my eyes and be in flames and torment because of my sin. But because I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, those shackles, those bonds that, that were binding me to hell, Christ released me from that. And if you're saved, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can claim that too. You can say, hey, Christ released me from that. And that's what he's trying to say here. That's what Paul is trying to say here is that, you know what? Christ's gift made uh, has released us as, uh, as slaves from sin. So if we're, if we're released from the bondage of sin and we're now under grace, and we'll get to that in here in a minute, but if we're released from sin and we're now under grace, then why are we continuing in sin? And that was one of the problems in the church in Rome, was the fact that they were still following and committing the sins that they would commit before they were before they were saved. Now, how is that? Why would you do that? If you're saved, if, you, if you're no longer under that bondage, if Christ... If Christ's sacrifice released you from that, then why are you still committing it? He talks about that in the first two verses. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Just as Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, so did our old man die when we, were, when we received Christ as Savior. But just as Christ rose from the dead, so did our new lives. So did our new lives in Christ. Verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. And this is something that the I was talking to a missionary couple to Mexico this past Sunday and we were at a church meeting and we got to meet these fi uh, this fine family missionaries to Mexico great couple they've been doing their work for about 20 years and God's been using them greatly and they noticed we got to talking about the Catholic Church and the Catholic religion in general because 95 to 98 percent of Guam claims the Catholic religion and it, it it's really sad 
But we made the comment that it is that the people that claim to be Catholic, if you claim to be Catholic, you claim to be Christian. Um, when in actuality, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're not a Christian. But that's a different that's a different topic. That's not what I'm trying to get across. But it was interesting how you could have a fellow get drunk throughout the entire week, fornicate, do all kinds of sin, then go to the church, ask the priest forgiveness, get his sins forgiven, and then go back and do it again. That That's what they teach. That's what they teach is that you can just get your sins forgiven and just continue in sin. Th that's not what Paul is trying to get across here. Paul is trying to say, hey, if, if you're saved, if Christ has delivered you from that sin, why are you still in sin? That old man, that stuff that kept us in sin, that bondage, it's gone. You can continue in a new life. Just as Christ died, so did our old man. And just as Christ was resurrected, so is the new man in life. That's what we have. Uh, underneath, uh, underneath point number one, sin has no place in the Christian life. Verses one through six. And we'll pick up on verse 5, since we read the first four verses already. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. When Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, he died for your sin and he died for my sin. And when we receive that gift of eternal life through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you know what goes up on that cross. When we, if you're saved, if you are saved, then what you did when you received Jesus Christ as Savior, you didn't literally do it, but you metaphorically did it. That old man, that old sinner that you used to be, you put him up on that cross. You crucified him. You said, you know what? Uh, I'm done with him. I'm no longer serving sin. I'm serving the Lord Jesus Christ now. I'm following him. Paul is using that to, uh, to get across the point that when we get saved, we're, we're no longer under the bondage of sin. So there's no need for us to, to keep following and committing the same sins that we used to commit because guess what we're under a new master and we are going to get to that point in just a moment uh, but we're under we're in a new life we're under a new master there's no point following the sins that we used to commit because guess what that old man is gone and let me tell you what if you start if you are in this position where you are if you are legitimately saved but you're having trouble getting victory over a certain sin in your life, and so you're committing sin that you used to commit before you got saved, which happens. It genuinely happens. Because your flesh does not change. Your flesh does not change. Your spirit did, but your flesh did not. Here's, a, here's an easy way to tell if you're saved, because that sin that you're committing, the Holy Spirit's going to prick your heart about and you're going to feel guilty about that. All of a sudden, the sin that you used to find enjoyment in before you were saved 
there's not so much enjoyment in it anymore. In fact, honestly, you feel guilty about it. I've seen that with many a new convert. Where they can't, they can't do what they used to do because they know it's wrong. And when they even try, they feel guilty about it because they know better. That old man, that, that time is gone. And you know what? The world would make you think that that's a, that's a sad thing. That having the old man is, that the fun is gone. Why would you even want that if you can't enjoy life? Paul, huh? Paul goes so much as to say, look with me, look with me in verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, destroyed, gone, nada, dead, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Throughout the chapter, we'll get to see the rest of the chapter. He is comparing sin to slavery. He's comparing sin to bondage, which is what we are all under. Sin is not... The world makes you think that sin is enjoyment, that sin is nice, it's fun, and it's great. Oh no, the Bible compares it to bondage. We're under the bondage of sin. We're under the enslavement of sin. And the only thing that breaks those bonds, the only thing that can give you true freedom and true liberty is the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that gift that Jesus bought and died for. So many people today, so many news channels talk about freedom and talk about the what freedom is. And both, a lot of people, we have different definitions of freedom. But the reality of the fact is, is that there's only one, when it comes down to it, there's only one kind of freedom. And that is the freedom through the blood of Jesus Christ, the freedom that only Christ can give. That's the kind of freedom that the world needs. The world, slavery is alive and well. Always has been. You ain't going to get rid of it. I'm not defending it, but it's alive and well. And you know why? Because every single man, woman, and child is born into the slavery of sin. And it is up to the Christian. It's up to the preacher. It's up to the church. It's up to every Christian to get the word out to show people that you don't have to be under the bondage of sin, that you can, and that you too can be freed and serve a new master. A master that loves you and will fight for your well-being, and a master who died on the cross of Calvary to save your sin, to save your sorry life from, a, uh, from an eternity in hell. That's what we're doing. Uh, Point number two, verses seven through 14. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no, uh, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. 
point number two under point um, our second statement, verses 7 through 14, our new life in Christ. Christ is our new master. What he's saying here is, hey, hey, we're not under the bondage of sin anymore. We, we're under a new master now. So why don't we go ahead and instead of working sin, uh, using our members for unrighteousness, why don't we start working them for righteousness? Why don't we start doing something for God where I would... Where all uh, before I was saved, all I wanted to do was fulfill the lusts of the flesh and the uh, desires of the eyes. Uh, let's go. Uh, why not just say, "Hey, I want to do something for the Lord." Let's take our hands, let's take our minds, let's take what we can and do something good. Let's work for righteousness. We have a new master. We're not under the bondage of sin anymore. We uh, we serve God Almighty. Sin has no dominion over us. Yes, we will still fight sin in our lives. We will still fight the flesh, uh, but the consequences of sin, sin can't do anything to me because I'm not going to die and go to hell. Sin has no dominion over me anymore. So why don't I just go ahead and fight for what's right and do something for God? Verse 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Hey, you know, Paul is a perfect example here. And I really believe that as he's writing this, he's looking back on his own life. You realize before he was saved, before Christ, uh, before God met him on the Damascus Road, before that happened, he was persecuting people in the church. He murdered men, women, and children. He killed them, and he was vicious about it. He, I mean, he was dedicated to the destruction of the church. This is a man that was convicted about it. This was a man that had a deep-hearted conviction and was going to hunt the church down no matter what happened. But then he got saved. Something happened in his life. He received Christ as his Savior. And then, so he took that conviction that he had in persecuting the church and decided, you know what? That's what I used to do in my sin, but I'm going to dedicate that to Christ now and do what I can and have that conviction to build the church and to build the kingdom of God. I'm going to do what I can to... To tell other people about Christ. He had that same conviction, but he directed it to something else. He directed it to righteousness. Next time we face the temptation to sin, we ought to, we ought to ask ourselves, Hey, what am I building? Unrighteousness or righteousness? What am I using my members for? What am, am I being a good servant to the Lord? Am I being a good servant to my master? We have new life in Christ. You know, you hear the saying, life is short. It really is. I wouldn't want to waste my new life in Christ. I'd want to do something with it. And I... I I'd want to try and please my master as much as I can while I have time. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not when a day may bring forth. Friend, we don't know when we're going to leave this world. I hope I've got a couple of good years on me left. But I don't know God's plan. He may come back. 
I may close my eyes tonight and not wake up, or he may come back. If he comes back, I'm fine with it. If I close uh, close my eyes tonight and don't wake up, I'm okay with it. But until that time happens, I want to please my Lord. I want to do and I want to do a good work for him. I want to do something that he'd be proud of. You know why? Because I want to please my master. I'm no longer under the bondage of sin anymore. He saved me from that. He saved me from the bondage of sin. Now, now I and now I serve the Lord. Number two, verses fifteen through twenty-three. We'll read through that. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. If you're listening and you're Catholic, you're part of the Catholic religion. Hey, it's not right that you ought to spend the whole week in sin. Go to the church, get forgiveness of a priest, which, by the way, a priest does not forgive you. And then continue in sin. If you're a true child of God, you're, uh, you ought to be spending that life in righteousness, not under the bondage of sin. You're freed from that. Why are you sticking with sin? Why are you staying with it? I, in fact, honestly, I'll dare to say that that statement's for the child of God, too. Why are you sticking with sin? Let's get away from it. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey. If you yield yourself to sin, you're a servant to sin. But if you yield yourself to God, you're a servant to God. Whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness, but God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you Amen. Hallelujah. You know what that means? You obey the doctrine of Christ. You are servants unto righteousness. Being then made for, uh, free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. If you were saved today, if you're listening to this and you're saved, you were under the bondage of sin, but you are now free and under, the, and under righteousness. You are now a servant of God. You are now a servant of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye would have yielded your member servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your member servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Statement number one, under point two, verses 15 through 18, we have a new master. Jesus is our new master. And you know what? The, ma uh, the master of sin... The master of sin. You know what my reward was for serving sin? Eternity in hell. You know what my reward is for serving Jesus? A loving father that will smile on my face. And if I keep working for him and if I, I do my best... Maybe someday he'll look at me and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
I didn't deserve salvation, still don't, but God gave it to me anyway. If he was willing to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross of Calvary for me, I will gladly serve him. I will gladly do it. Point number two, verses 19 through 23. We have true freedom through Christ. This whole, Everything here is showing verse 23. 623 is one of the best verses in the Bible. It's part of the Romans road. Uh, you see it in many tracks. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, when you were lost in your sin, you were bound for a devil's hell. When you were serving sin, when you were under the bondage of sin and you were bound, that's where you were going to go. But if you're saved, guess what? Your new master, your new Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. He saved you. And that's where true freedom comes from. Let freedom ring, I say. And you know what I mean by that? I don't mean the freedom that uh, that we Americans claim as freedom. I don't mean that. I mean the freedom of the gospel, the freedom that the gospel gives, the freedom that Christ gives. That's what I mean. I mean let it ring. Let it ring from shore to shore. Let it ring from ocean to ocean. Let it ring from person to person. Let it ring wherever man can be found. Uh, let's tell other people about what God has done and what he has and his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. Let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. And when people tell you, no, I don't want to hear it, ring it louder. Because somebody needs to hear it. Very interesting Bible study tonight. I was studying that earlier. Romans chapter 6, and it's just, these past couple chapters, honestly, the whole book of Romans, and you sit down and you actually start reading these verses, you start paying attention to them, it's convicting. It is convicting. And I, I'm begging you, if your heart has not been blessed if, by reading the book of Romans, reread it. Reread it. Get down and actually study that book. I'm telling you, if you just open your heart to what God could do and you just say, Lord, if you got something to show me in here, show it to me, and you start really studying it, I guarantee you God will show you something. Powerful book. Powerful book. Every book in the Bible is, but there's something about the book of Romans that especially applies to Christians today. Thank you again for joining us again for another episode of Lachi Talks. Always a blessing to get to do these Bible studies with you and to be with you on Word Wednesday. Uh, as always, God bless you all. Have a great day. And if uh, this was a blessing to you or God spoke to your heart, um, share this across social media. Share it with a comment. Uh, share in, And if you share it in a comment, put in the comment what God blessed you with, what, how he was able to use it to bless you. Because other people, uh, people need to see blessings. They need. Uh, I really believe that when the Lord blesses us, uses Scripture to bless us, we ought not keep that private. We ought to tell somebody else about it because it shows other people that hey, our God's still alive. The God the Hindus believe, any God the Hindus believe is dead, 
Allah never existed. Uh, these gods aren't real. The only true God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. The only true God is the God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross of Calvary for you and me. That's the true God. And we need to start showing the world again that, hey, our God is still alive and our God is on the throne. So, um, as always, like, uh, like, share, do all that fun stuff on social media. God bless you all and have a great day.